Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And today we're going to be talking about the mostly reconstructed episode of uh, Patrick Troughton's era called The Evil of the Daleks. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind everybody that we're from MindRobber.net, which is the home site of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all of the things... Uh, on podcasts like this one, where we talk about Doctor Who, and our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we talk about everything else that isn't Doctor Who. <laughs> and if you like our shows, you should review them on iTunes, because that helps people find us and lets us know how much you love us, which is a nice ego boost for Matt and I. And <laughs> if you have questions, comments, concerns, or any other sort of cool thing you feel like sharing... Email them to us at podcast at mindropper.net. And if you want to start a discussion, you can add it to the comments um, and we will, uh, you can start the discussion and then we will continue it by, uh, by commenting you back Um, (laughs) and letting other people comment. Yes. Um, (laughs) It's just been a while since you've read the copy. Uh, yeah, because that's how commenting works. So anyway, um, before we get started, uh, before we get started with background significance, I want to throw out a thank you to, um, uh, an email that we got, um, between episodes and it's from someone calling themselves Professor Allen and he wrote, to let us know that he uh, wrote about us in his most recent blog post, which was about Doctor Who-related podcasts on his site and on a larger site that he's a part of um, called bookguys.ca. And then his site is called eyesandearsblog.blogspot.com. Um, and uh, The Doctor's Companion was one of his Doctor Who uh podcast that he talked about in his blog post so that was really awesome of him so thanks to professor allen yeah lovely lovely yes and thanks for all the nice things that you said about us yeah that was that cool was, I, that was cool. i loved it warm yeah. it warmed my cockles that's the phrase yes. right cockles i don't know <laughs> i don't know what those are i probably just got in trouble somewhere <laughs> um so uh yeah, we've we've led to an awkward conversation in some other country where the little kid is like, what are cockles? And he's like, damn it. <laughs> I would look it up, but this is a Doctor Who podcast, so <laughs> I'm going to do that. Um, <laughs> I look up enough stuff. So uh, speaking of things you look up. Yes. 
background and significance for the evil of the Daleks. Is this? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no, but it could be. I don't know. Is this the first Dalek story not written by Terry Nation? No, there's another one, uh, and another one that was half not written by him. Uh, he he, I think he co-wrote because he co-wrote um, Dalek's Master Plan with someone. I forget who. Uh, I think it was like uh, Dennis Spooner or something. Uh, uh, where, yeah, he wrote episodes one through five and seven, and then Spooner wrote six and then eight through twelve. Um, and that was apparently a whole contentious relationship because Nation said that he wrote the whole thing, and Spooner was Spooner was like, "I wrote way more of that than you say I did," but that's just the way it worked out. Um, no, the first like not written by Terry Nation Dalek story is Power of the Daleks, which kicked off uh, Patrick Troughton's run. Okay, also that was written. the one. That was the one that I thought maybe. Yeah, he yeah. No, also, that, didn't write. that one's also written by David Whitaker, who wrote this one. So, mm. and that's so that I mean, guy knows the Daleks. Oh, oh! You haven't heard it yet. But here's the thing: uh, Evil of the Daleks, as we're going to discuss, is probably the most epic Dalek story outside of Daleks' Master Plan. Um, it's fracking epic. But what Whitaker puts in epic in this story he replaces with tension and paranoia in power of the daleks which is just fantastic it's like five episodes of build-up it's amazing mm. uh, and then a sixth episode just genocide um so he's good uh but no evil of the daleks it's the fourth season it's this closer to the fourth season of doctor who uh written by david whitaker who's famous for being the first script editor on Doctor Who. He also introduced the character of Vicky. He wrote The Crusade. He wrote Power of the Daleks, which introduced the Patrick Troughton. He does this story, which introduces the character of Victoria. He would go on to do mm, Enemy of the World. Victoria. and Oh, I love Victoria. Uh, mm, Victoria. <laughs> and Ambassadors of Death. Uh, so he really knows his stuff. Um, he's... I mean, he's really good. I'm not the first person to say this, but <clears> I think he's... He is easily one of the best writers Doctor Who ever had. Um, and one of the most influential in terms of how it shaped. Like, he's the guy who basically made the TARDIS the TARDIS when he said that the TARDIS is a living being, not just a ship. Like, he was the guy who said that. Um, so he's really important and stuff. Uh, it's directed by Derek Martinus, who directed Galaxy 4, which is mostly missing. They just rec- That's the story that they just recovered an episode of. Uh, the 10th Planet, The Ice Warriors, and uh, Spearhead from Space. Uh, he happened to be writing when there's a lot of his stuff that's missing, um, so it's difficult to get a bead on his quality, but from what I've seen, it's mostly pretty good. Like, Tenth Planet is really well-directed and stuff. Um, and the second episode that's here is directed with a, a lot of energy and a lot of getting things right where they need to be right, so mm-hmm. it's a huge bummer that this story's missing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I say this mostly because... Uh, this was intended as a way of benching the Daleks for a lot of for uh, an ex- indefinitely actually because Terry Nation was like, "Hey guys, I want to take the Daleks and take them to the United States," and they're just like, "Well, all right, we're not going to use the Daleks anymore, and we're not going to pay you." So they wrote, they paid David Whitaker to do another Dalek story, uh, in, in which the Doctor kind of kills all the Daleks, which, yep, which happened. Uh, but we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, it's it's awesome, and it introduces the character of Victoria, and it's mostly missing. The only episode that still exists is episode two, 
and this is easily at the top of the stories that I want recovered, especially episode seven when pretty much all hell just breaks loose, like really, really well. Can so, I can I mention how much I love and didn't know beforehand, but how much I love the fact that Victoria is from Victorian England. <laughs> you didn't know that? No. <laughs> How great is that, right? Uh, somebody really did not want to name a character. <laughs> it's like naming it's like naming Charlie Pollard like Edward, you know, like it yeah. just doesn't <laughs> Oh man. So or naming- funny. Or naming a character from the Renaissance, Renee. Like it's just a little. It's a little weird. <laughs> it's a little on the nose. Yeah, yeah, just a little, just a little. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, this is a this is a big story. Uh, we're gonna re- recap it as we usually do. But I have to stress that we're gonna talk about this. All of the things that we talk about actually happen in the story. I mean, it's not that we like lie to you in these things, but uh, this is a story that you really have to experience. I think. Um, just because there's some crazy stuff that happens and you just like, if I told you that the Daleks at one point, like just start playing a game with the doctor, you'd be like, I don't understand. And I'm like, no, you just have to see it to understand. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the fact that the doctor like obliterates Scar, like you have to just see it to understand what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? So, uh-huh. uh, just know that cause it gets really crazy really fast. And we're going to be talking about it all. So, but it's go. it's so good. Oh God, it's one of the best Troughton stories, like far mm-hmm. and away. And I don't know how long it took you to like like get into it, but this is like the third or fourth time I've gone through it. And I was like five minutes into episode one, and I was like, oh, I love this story. Like mm-hmm. just over the moon, just like with how how weird it is. It's just so bizarre and so weird, but so extremely well done. uh, I've always said that the best Doctor Who stories work not unlike an episode of The Simpsons, where if you watched the beginning of the story and the end of the story, you would have no idea how the two connect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like if I t- like if I'm I'll tell you it starts at like an airfield with someone stealing the TARDIS in episode one and the doctor running around looking for a Victorian antique seller and it ends at the end of the story with the doctor leading a charge of Daleks in revolution against the Emperor Dalek on Scaro and just mm-hmm. blowing it up. Yeah, <laughs> like what? Like I know it doesn't make any sense. No. It, but it, but it, it's it, so good. And it's so organic. Like, it just builds, 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 and it just keeps breathing out the scope until you're like, oh, this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. And the last two episodes are just nonstop thrill rides of just, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. And it's amazing. So that's Evil of the Daleks, and we're going to talk about it. So here we go. And uh, before we do, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. This month at InStockTrades.com, you should purchase our book of the month, Avengers, The Children's Crusade by Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung, which is the sequel to Young Avengers, also by Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung, um, which is also excellent. So you should buy both of those while you're there, because why not? 
Uh, this mm-hmm. one, Children's Crusade, is only twenty ninety nine, which is forty percent off the suggested retail price of thirty four ninety nine. Um, and then uh, the Young Avengers, the complete Young Avengers, it's like called the Ultimate Collection. You can get that for under twenty bucks, which um, is crazy because that's over twelve issues. Yeah. Right, it's twelve issues, and probably it's, I think it's twelve that, issues and a couple of specials. I think. Yeah, that's um, crazy. And if you watch the Avengers and you want, and you're like, "What's your next good Avengers book?" You could be hard pressed to go. You'd be hard pressed to go worse than Young Avengers. It's not like watching Thor and Iron Man and Cap and all these people hanging out, but it's pretty damn close, and yeah. it gets the spirit right. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It gets the spirit right more than most other Avengers books. So, um, there you go. Uh, also this month, 45% off all DC comics books, um, until June 1st, including vertigo titles. So go check that out. And, uh, and, and 45% off. Um, and if you guys know anything about vertigo, first volumes of vertigo, uh, sans like Sandman and a couple of other like, uh, big iconic ones from vertigo. Like old school Vertigo titles, like um, but, uh, Swamp Thing, right, right. right. Yeah. But despite like uh, other than those, but if you're talking about like Why the Last Man or Ex Machina or Unwritten or like any of the the newer like last ten years series that they've done, um, the first volumes are all nine ninety nine cover price, so forty five percent off nine ninety nine. Which is about $5.50. Yeah, and so you could get, for $5.50 a piece, you could get, like, volume one of a bunch of Vertigo books. Yeah. Um, so you should go do that because there's some good stuff. Why the Last Man's good. Ex Machina's good. Unwritten's good. What else is good from Vertigo? Sweet uh, Tooth is good. Sweet. Yes, yeah, Sweet Tooth. I'm blanking on a bunch of Vertigo titles, but most of what they do is really good. Uh, if you like American Virgin... Uh, is Fables, American Fables. Is American Vampire? American Vampire is not ninety nine nine ninety nine. Oh. No. Oh, bummer, bummer. Um, but yeah, Fables. Oh God, how do we forget Fables? Yeah. Um, American Vampire yeah. isn't because that first volume had Stephen King in it, so it came out in hardcover first because they were pushing it on the um, the uh, bookseller. Yeah, the book market because of Stephen King. So, which I can't blame them for. No. Oh no. <clears throat> But that's milk, like the that's literally the only Vertigo series that comes out in hardcover first. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's uh, good. The first taste is cheap. Ever and all of Vertigo's stuff is generally like it's you know it's it's it touts to be like the HBO of the comic verse. Yeah. Um, so so go to in stock trades. Um, you know, fill up your cart because uh, all orders over fifty dollars get free shipping. Uh, so go there and uh, buy some buy some trades and hardcovers. Thanks to InStockTrades dot com. All right. It's oh, I'll also stuff. mention really oh. quick. We're not really sponsored by them, but uh, if you want to listen to this story, a really good way to listen to it is to go to Audible and like get the get the audiobook version because it'll run you like probably like twelve bucks, but it'll come with narration and you can really hear what the story's like. So if you're interested. Yeah, I uh, the way I watched this, quote unquote, um, mm-hmm. I was running low on time, uh, so I actually just plugged up my laptop to my car stereo and listened to it on my way mm. home. Um, yeah, episodes three through seven. I watched the first two because I wanted to watch the second episode, mm-hmm. um, 
but then I listened to the other ones and it was awesome. So mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just double check though. You do know that there are surviving clips of episode seven, right? Yeah, I okay. looked over and saw those. Okay, just making yeah. sure. Cause... Yeah, because I could tell when things were moving, and I was like, "Wait, why are there things moving?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I I listened to most of it, but I I saw um, the stuff that was working. Okay, in seven, just making sure because that stuff from seven is so good. Oh um, yeah, it was wonderful tease. Uh, but yeah, if you're interested, go get that. And all of, I mean. The best thing about Audible is that they sell all of the Doctor Who. So if you're interested, just go and get those, like, you know, the Power of the Daleks. If you like this one, Power of the Daleks or uh, the Massacre, whatever you like. Like, that's just, that's the go-to place for, like, Doctor Who soundtracks. So there you go. Mm. Brought to you by Audible.com. So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, episode one, we open at the very end of the previous story, which was the Faceless Ones, which saw... Uh, the departure of Ben and Polly, who were the Doctor's companions for about a season. Uh, and th- the Doctor and Jamie are bidding there for a while, and they turn around and they realize that someone has loaded the TARDIS onto a flatbed truck and is just driving it away. And, <laughs> and they're like, wait, hang on. And they, <laughs> they just run after it, but to no avail, it turns around the corner and it just disappears. And they're like, well, well now what are we going to do? So we basically kick off an entire episode of the doctor and Jamie tracking down clues as to where the truck, uh, that took the TARDIS went. They, they led to a mechanic, uh, who's very shifty and isn't normal. Like he's not wearing, he's wearing overalls that don't fit him, which the doctor is quick to point out. Uh, and, and all sorts of other things, all of which have been meticulously planned as we're going to find out in just a minute. Uh, I love this. It's great. It's the, it's the really, it's like the best first opportunity to show like what it's like to put Patrick Troughton and Fraser Hines in a room and seeing their chemistry just bounce off of each other because Mm -hmm. the doctor and Jamie second doctor specifically is one of the best, uh, doctor, uh, companion relationships in the entire show. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. They're just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're great, and it's really like it's really great. You did catch the Beatles song, though, right? Yeah. Just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is the '60s." Mm, yeah, yeah, like well, that. It's, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because they just they're in a bar, or or um. Like a like a restaurant, like a a club, and they're just sitting around talking about what they're going to do next because they've hit a tr- string of dead ends, and in the background is just paperback writer just <laughs> playing. Yeah, on a thing, and it's weird how like back in the '60s, I don't think anyone knew how big the Beatles were gonna be on influ- like in terms of influential on music, and yet here they are just on, <laughs> on the jukebox. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's awesome! It's awesome. Um, but no, the 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 plans, all these things are being orchestrated by by a man named Professor Edward Waterfield, who is a weird looking dude he's got mutton chops like mutton chops to his jawbone like yeah you know what's funny about about these two characters um about uh uh, edward about waterfield and um maxtable maxtable is that the guy with the beard right yeah maxtable yeah maxtable the funny thing about those two guys i'm not gonna lie the entire time that they were on screen, I couldn't get Planet of the Apes out of my head because <laughs> Waterfield looks like an ape 
and and the other guy looks like an orangutan. <laughs> I never thought of that, but that's really true. <laughs> it's and it has everything to do with how their hair is. Oh, they have they have crazy hair. Yeah, like crazy crazy hair. Um, it's kind of it's kind of fantastic. Um, <laughs> Maxtable in particular, like Maxtable wins because you look at Maxtable and you're just like. You just—he is just the stark, raving lunatic scientist who just eats sandwiches and gets them stuck in his beard, and he doesn't care. Like that's yep. who he is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about him a little more in just a minute. Uh, Edward Waterfield is weird because he walks around like dressed like a Victorian guy, selling Victorian antiques and not really understanding modern society, uh, which is very strange. And the antiques that he's selling are all really in really good condition, like Victorian antiques. Um, and as we're going to find out later, he actually is from Victorian England, and his whole play is that he just likes selling... He just likes bringing antiques from Victorian England and just selling them in the present. <laughs> because they're just like everyday household items, like a like, you know, a fork or a candelabra. Like, just... <laughs> just like crazy stuff it's, but, it's just uh, like he's basically uh, this is like a time travel garage sale I mean that's what's happening right now <laughs> yeah it's, <laughs> and it's like and it's like but it's also kind of brilliant like you know if you had access to the past and you wanted to make your life antiquing wouldn't you just go to the past take up some like random things that you could buy for like nothing and then just sell them at an exorbitant price in the future in oh, really yeah. good condition yeah. oh yeah <laughs> it's just, you know it's just antiques roadshow like that's how you could make a living <laughs> dude that's what i want now i just want edward waterfield to be on antiques roadshow that's really <laughs> all i want <laughs> selling his own household wares oh that'd be great that would be great um but he he is a dude who is uh, what's the phrase? He's orchestrating all these clues for the Doctor and Jamie so that the Doctor and Jamie will wind up at his place so that he can do something with them. Uh, it's very kind of weird and shady. He comes across this, he employs this dude named Kennedy who has helped lead the Doctor um, and Jamie along. And all the clues are very deliberate and very obvious. And I appreciate how they, um, uh, they're not so like overly contrived that no one can figure them out or too obvious. Like he really does rely on the doctor to be very smart about what he's doing, just to make sure that he's the doctor and be very observant. And Sherlock Holmesy, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Waterfield sends this dude over to the doctor and Jamie at this club. He says, "Hey, uh, Waterfield wants to meet you at ten o'clock tonight." Why don't you go over there and just see what happens? Because uh, he just wants to meet you. He might know something about your TARDIS that, or the police box that's gone disappearing. And the doctor's like, oh, let's go do that. Meanwhile, this guy, Kennedy, uh, sneaks into this back room that Waterfield goes into, which is behind a, a, a sliding bookcase. And if you ever want to win me over on anything, just include a sliding bookcase because <laughs> I'm in. Um, <laughs> oh, I love that. I know there's not enough sliding bookcases in general. Like, just true. I you can never have enough because they're so ridiculous. Like, just lock the door. Like, you don't need you don't need an elaborate like I don't know. It just it just seems like a very expensive vanity check. You know, like those big old checks that they have for like <laughs> foundations and stuff. Oh god. That <laughs> being said, che- that said, that said, 
big checks also win me over. So oh, oh yes, no, absolutely. <laughs> if if my com if like the companies that I work for ever wanted to pay me a novelty check, I would go with that. I would be okay with it, and I would love it. <laughs> they could just come to my house and present it to me every week at the end of the week. That'd be great. That mm-hmm. would be great. Um. So Waterfield has gone into this weird-looking sci-fi-y sort of room. He talks to someone and then comes out. And Kennedy, who's who's locked in Waterfield's house and can't really get out and he doesn't want to leave, goes in and investigates, looking for the safe so that he can get the safe that he thinks is behind the bookcase so that he can be, you know, rewarded. And then out of nowhere, a Dalek shows up. Just out of nowhere. <laughs> and, like, it's one of those things where... I don't know. The whole thing is so weird and so bizarre. Like, cause it's it's not like any episode of Doctor Who I've ever seen. Like this episode, it's so weird. And then all of a sudden, at the end, the Dalek shows up, and it's really like, oh right, the Daleks are in this. Yeah. <laughs> How they made that work, I don't know. Like I don't. <laughs> Especially when the name of it is the evil of the Daleks. Oh, God, yes. And Daleks always show up at the end of the first part. It's like a tradition. Yeah. That I don't see it coming is outstanding. Yeah. Like, oh. And I I mean, this is the fourth time I've seen it. I know how the episode ends. I'm still legitimately surprised when the Dalek shows up because it's such a great reveal. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. David awesome. Whitaker's good. Oh, oh, buddy. I think, isn't the, is this the first David Whitaker story that we were covering? I think so, I, yeah. Oh, man, wait until you see some of his other stuff. Oh, Ambassadors of Death, dude. Ambassadors of Death. Um, <laughs> so uh, so Kennedy s- runs away. He gets shot down by the Dalek in good old-fashioned negative film style. Yes. Um, which is the way Dalek lasers used to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, just, they just turned the world inside out, and then the people died. <laughs> That's what happens. Um, so Waterfield is like horrified at like the Daleks' indifference uh, to human life, um, but the Dalek is like, "Ah, uh, you're gonna follow orders anyway." So and it just leaves. Yeah, like, it's, just, it's just like it's just like, eh, I killed a guy. Deal with it. And it just yeah. gets out of there, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> so, so then, so then, Ken, so then, uh, Waterfield he sets a trap for the Doctor and Jamie by taking a photo of the two of them and ripping it in half and leaving it for them to find. Ominously, <laughs> he takes one one half of the photo and puts it in Kennedy's hand and puts the other half of the photo in like this little mini chest. Um. Just like sticking out awkwardly, and by sticking out, I mean like he rips the photo in half and then puts it so that the good half of the photo is just sticking out, and then puts the rest under the lip, like the, where the tear is, so that there's no real actual photo inside the thing. It's just like so obviously a trap, like just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that'll come, so that'll so, come into play in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so the doctor and Jamie come into the antique shop and. The doctor is, like, being really careful. He's, like, putting his hand on the door, the bell over the door so that it doesn't ring. And he doesn't want anyone to know that they're there. Um, despite, uh, despite like, being expected, but they're there a half hour early. So he's wanting to, like, 
scope out the place and and see what's up. And Jamie's just like, "What are you doing?" Like just really loud, <laughs> obnoxious. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, you know, the doctor's just like, oh, "Well, you know, you can never be too careful." And we're early, and and you know, that's that's good. And uh, I I just I want to make I want to take a look around and make sure that. All of this is on the up and up. Um, make sure who we're dealing with and everything. And James is like, oh, whatever. Like, which is <laughs> basically that's that's pretty much Jamie's attitude through this whole story. It's just like, oh, whatever. I'm sick of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, if, if Jamie had just been like, am bored and done by the end of the story, I would not be surprised. Like, just like, you know, this was great, doctor, but eh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of your crap. That's pretty much Jamie's attitude. Um, Mm -hmm. So the doctor is investigating this location, and what he finds, he finds all these like clues that tell him that uh, Edward Waterfield is a is a a a time traveler. And like Mm -hmm. one of the things that tips him off is like an invoice, and he's like, if I wanted to make this invoice look old, I would have yellowed the pages, but they're not yellowed, so it must be a real thing. And I'm like, hmm, astute, astute. Yeah. They come across this dude who I don't remember his name, but he's I'll be honest, he's not really important. Um, And he and he comes in and he's like, oh, hey, how are you guys doing? And they're like, hey, we were just, you know, we we just were here for the meeting. And the guy's like, oh, right. Well, let's go exploring and looking for Waterfield because he's expecting you. They come across Kennedy's dead body and the doctor's like, go ring the police. And he's like, all right. So he leaves. And the doctor's like. All right, let's let's find let's find out where he was looking cuz he was point he's he's dead pointing at the door and I'm like that's a that's an interesting choice. Uh <laughs> that he died pointing at the door. <laughs> Jamie finds the the latch to uh open the open the bookshelf and bring them into the um into the secret white room and the door opens and they walk in and we get this really awesome shot. Like I'll just mention that it's an awesome shot of they walk into the room and Edward Waterfield literally just pops out behind them into the room that they just exited from in a fantastic, like just creepy reveal shot. Um, mm-hmm. And so they start investigating this room. They see this chair. They see this device. They start investigating the device. And then Jamie sees the little chest with the picture sticking out. He's like, oh, doctor, look, the other half of the picture. And the doctor <laughs> goes, wait, don't. And then gas pops out of it. And just fills the room with gas. And they pass out. Waterfield runs in, shuts off the gas, activates the machine. The world fades to, to white. They disappear. And then the other guy runs in, realizes that the bookshelf, sees that the bookshelf is closed, doesn't know that the bookshelf opens up another room. And it's just like, that's weird. Smash cut to uh, England, 1866. The story jumps 100 years back in time. <laughs> just. And, like, perfectly 100 years in the past, like, Back to the Future style. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, all, like, it is just jarring. You're like, wait a minute, what? Like, yeah. And it's, and it's interesting, because, like, this was the first time that a Doctor Who story had done something like this. But even now, like, you don't see the Doctor jumping back and forth between time periods. Like, I mean, <laughs> I guess you do in, like the Moffat era because Moffat does different like he does different time zones it's really like, not like it, it's really just like this and City of Death are really the two oh sure yeah where they, he jumps around multiple times well this City of Death and um, 
Uh, what's the John, uh, the John Pertwee thing? The, uh, with, with the Centauran. Oh, uh, Time Warrior. Time Warrior. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Even then, though, like, the weird thing is that this story has already started and it's already moving, and then all of a sudden it just switches gears. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, with Time, like, I mean, Time Warrior is, is very similar, but it's also, like, Time Warrior from the beginning is like, oh, we're going here. This comes out of nowhere. It's like a weird left turn that the story that's just true. decides to take halfway through episode two. Yeah. Welcome, yeah. but weird. Now, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say about this next part, okay? David Whitaker is a great writer. But <laughs> it's very obvious to me that this guy knows nothing about science. <laughs> because when the when the doctor and Jamie wake up in 1866, Maxible and Waterfield explained to them how they invented time travel was they were researching time travel through the use of static electricity and a chamber lined with mirrors. (laughs) Somehow these two things make you travel perfectly 100 years into the future. Yeah, it's well, it's crazy. Like, I mean, we were talking about this before. Uh, someone, uh, this blog I follow, Tarotisuritatar, mentions that this is like the first real mention of steampunk in anything because it takes Victorian style uh, technology and it applies science fiction elements to them. And the idea is that if you stand in front of a mirror and you look at yourself, you're seeing a reflection of yourself through time. If you manage to repel the image using electricity by charging the mirror and using like similar electricity, so if you pass like positive electricity through it, you will reflect yourself such that you actually reflect into the past or the future depending on how you do it, which is like... I mean, it doesn't make sense. Like, I'll just, it doesn't make sense. But it actually comes from a place where you're like, you know, I understand what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. He's really good at BSing science. Oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, Abso-frackin-lutely. BSing fictional science. Yes. Um, (laughs) so, So the doctor is listening to... Maxtable and Waterfield explaining how they created time travel in 1866 and how positive and negative electricity worked, but not as well as they wanted to. So they tried out static electricity and then Whitaker makes sure that he throws in as soon as the doctor hears static, he's like, wait a minute, what? Because static is like the Dalek buzzword for the sixties. And then as soon as, as wait, soon as you realize what do you mean the buzzword, the Dalek buzzword. Well, like, remember how in the Daleks, the Daleks had, um, the Daleks could only travel by static electricity? I don't know if you remember that, but that no, was like I don't a key. That. Yeah, it's a key component to the story and the creation of the Daleks that the Daleks can only travel by static electricity. And then in, um, the Dalek invasion of Earth, Terry Nation creates discs that they put on their back so that they don't have to travel by static electricity, but are powered by... Oh, okay. All right. I remember that now. Okay, gotcha. So when the Doctor hears the word static, he's instantly like, hang on a second. Hang on. Uh, It's also benefited by the fact that Power of the Daleks is also about getting the Daleks static electricity, so like, it would probably be fresher in people who watched this back then's memory. Right, Um, because this is the season finale of the season that started with Power Power of the Daleks, yes? Ish, yes. Uh, Power of the Daleks is actually the third story in that season, which is weird. After the Smugglers and Tenth Planet. Oh, okay, so they didn't start the season with Troughton. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, they Trout weren't changed mid-season. That's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> well, it makes sense from a production standpoint because what happened is they shot the War Machines and got permission to write out Hartnell. And the, and the War Machines end season three. And then they shot The Smugglers, which was the first story for season four, at the end of the production in season three so that they could have a little more lead time. Um, so they So they carried that over. And then in the first story that they shot for season four, Hartnell is written out at the end. And then Troughton takes over. So even oh. though it's like the third story, it's like the second story in pr- terms of production for this oh, season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but so, this is the end of, of the fourth season, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's, a, there's a break after this, and then they do Tomb of the Cybermen. Which and is that's the, the first episode of the fifth. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Which, if you, if you ever wanted to have like a great two-story epi- two run of Doctor Who, that's a great two-story run of Doctor Who. I'm Too just... bad only one of them exists. Oh, Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, but to be fair, Tomb of the Cybermen didn't exist until like ten years ago. So yeah, so it's it's good. It's, it's good. possible. I'm, it could happen. Yeah, I'm eternally grateful for the existence of Tomb of the Cybermen. Let's don't get me wrong. Eternally yeah. grateful. <laughs> uh, still want this one though. Anyway, so uh, the Daleks show up, and they explain to the Doctor that he, that he is there to help them determine the human factor, which is the thing that the Daleks say will help eradicate humanity because humanity has been such a thorn in the Daleks side that they want to be done with it. So they want to isolate the human factor, figure out how to beat the humans. And then, oh, God, uh, I love that. yeah, right. It's crazy. What as was a crazy plan? Is- it's G it's off oh, as a Dalek plan. That's so awesome mm-hmm. to and look like- at, to look at, humanity as a thing that they can harness and use like ah so awesome yeah and here's the other thing slight spoilers for the rest of the story that Whitaker goes and then completely flips it in the sixth episode is nuts yeah uh so good okay (laughs) right um so so uh they plan to test jamie and see and use Jamie and his response to a bunch of to a series of tests to figure out uh, what makes humans special, and they're gonna basically beat the beat humanity. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Jamie wakes up from his you know time travel escapades, and he meets up with this woman named Molly, who's a housekeeper, and she discusses Waterfield and this painting that is of Waterfield's ex like widow. And, uh, like, his, the, or the person who, I, I don't know, his ex-wife, I guess, but she died, so widow. Um, and he's like, okay, well, that's really cool, and you, there's this girl named Victoria, that's cool, I'm just gonna hang out, because this is weird. And in the, t- <laughs> over the course of being, of just hanging out, Jamie is beaten by a vagrant and abducted. <laughs> Which, like, I've, again, four times seeing the story, every time I completely forget that this happens. Like, completely forget, because it's so out of the blue that he is just abducted by vagrants. Like, <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> so he is captured, and, and uh, Waterfield Maxtable, who is Waterfield's partner in crime, who's this big guy with a crazy beard, like, crazy, like, you have to see it to believe it. It is, it is like wild Alan Moore beard, like, nuts, yeah. um. <laughs> they they realize that Jamie's been captured, and without Jamie, the Daleks cannot begin their test, and they start freaking out because the Daleks have ordered the test to begin immediately. 
So they have to find Jamie, and that's where we end episode two, which is a is an interesting cliffhanger. I find that D- Whitaker as a storyteller always comes up with stuff that makes you think more than makes you go, oh, damn, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I like those. I really like those. Um, so so that, that happens. Um, we, uh, we come back. Jamie, again, captured by vagrants and held in a barn. Uh, the vagrant turns over turns Jamie over to a guy named Arthur Terrell, who is the guy who wants to get married to Maxtable's daughter, which is how he fits in. And Terrell is weird because Terrell can't keep focused. Like, every so often he'll start talking to Jamie, and then he'll just go catatonic and just start spewing things. It's basically like Professor Trelawney, if Professor Trelawney was much more consistent with her clairvoyancy. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, it's, it's the same. It's the same thing. <laughs> um, so so he mentions that the Daleks have this girl named Victoria Waterfield, and Jamie's like, what do you mean they have her? That's insane. I need, we need, what should we do? And then Terrell Ter- just snaps out of it and goes, okay, well, I don't remember what I was saying right there. And Jamie's like, that's weird. And then the doctor <laughs> shows up and says, oh, by the way, there's Daleks, and I'm going to go take you back to the house now. Jamie's like, all right. And I'm like, all right. Uh <laughs> so 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 the doctor tells Jamie about the Daleks and uh, Victoria Waterfield and what's going on. Maxtable and Waterfield get really pissed off, like really pissed off. Like you're not supposed to tell him about the test, and the doctor's like, "Eh, screw you." Um, <laughs> and and then we get this really interesting thing where uh, Maxtable shows off this guy again, not the most like societally progressive or culturally or politically correct. Um, this, this Turkish dude who is dressed like a Turk and is really strong, but can't talk, uh, (laughs) which is weird. So weird. If you've seen Tomb of the Cybermen, (laughs) this is two episodes in a row with a character like this. Yeah. Who, a a, a not white dude who can't talk, (laughs) can't talk and is nothing more than hired muscle. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) <laughs> There's more to him than that that's a little more like, oh, weird choices, but we'll get to those in just a second. Uh, his name is Kemmel, and and Maxtable has hired him to stop Jamie from getting through as like a test of Jamie's strength. And we know he's strong because he can bend iron bars and stuff uh, over his neck, no less, which is, I'll admit, that's pretty hardcore. My neck is not that durable, I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so... Uh, he puts Kemmel in place and prepares for the test to begin, and then the doctor uses reverse psychology to trick Jamie into doing the thing. And and I love, I mean, I love Troughton in this. Like, Troughton is so good. Like, so good at playing all of the notes right and being a much darker doctor than people, I think, give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Like, he is extremely manipulative in this story. Oh, yeah. Uh, to point of fault, really. In a, but in an awesome way. Yeah, well, it's it's weird, and I was reading this on a on a, on a blog that I was reading. But this one of the things that's interesting about Troughton is like when they bring Troughton back, and we're gonna see this next week. When they bring Troughton back after he leaves, Troughton goes for like a very mercurial, like happy-go-lucky clown character. Like he really plays up the comedic aspects of the role. And what I think that you miss if you don't watch him in his stories is just how dark a performance he can be. Like, where you almost feel like you can't trust him at times, even though you know everything he knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's really awesome, and it really just hammers home how good of a doctor he is. Uh, and no better than this, where he's, like, basically attempts to convince Jamie 
to um to go to go rescue Victoria Waterfield without telling him he needs to go do it. Like he just says, "Stay put. I can't talk to you about the Daleks or say anything, but you need to just stay here and whatever you do, don't rescue Victoria Waterfield." And Jamie's like, "Well, I'm going to go rescue Victoria Waterfield." And the doctor's like, "I told you not to." And Jamie's like, "All right, I won't." And then he goes and does it anyways. <laughs> Um, but it's great. Uh, it's wonderful. And Trouton, like, this is one of my favorite, like, just Trouton stories, because mm-hmm. he is, oh, he's good in this. But um, the the thing that's great is about, you know, as dark as he gets in episode three, he, <laughs> he has, like, a, like a, he has, like, a, a really... Patrick Troughton has like this this uncanny ability to be go to a dark place but then have a lot of heart at the same time because like episode yes. 4 is full of heart. Like he's mm-hmm. watching Jamie go through these tests and he's just like, "Ah, look at him. Look at my guy." Yeah. Look at him do yeah. awesome. You mm-hmm. Daleks are stupid. Stupid Daleks. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much episode 4. Um, yeah. so like he's Trump's good is what we're saying. Yeah, like really good in ways that I think that people like you can just hear like, oh, yeah, Trump's good. And then you watch him and stuff and you just I mean, I forget how good he is. Like, I just forget. And then I see him and I'm just like, why is he like he's easily one of the best doctors ever, like ever, 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 Mm -hmm. because of the way that all of this stuff was new that Mm -hmm. he did. Like he just he completely redefined the role in in ways few doctors do, I think. Um so good. great stuff, great stuff. So Jamie goes into the arena, as it were, which is the west or the south wing of the house where the Daleks are holding Victoria, who we have met by this point in a not unlike like Rapunzel or Sleeping Beauty sort of thing, where she's locked in a tower and singing to birds. Um, uh, <laughs> so so Jamie enters the arena. He almost falls into the booby trap of this these falling spikes which are vicious. Um, and then he comes across Kemmel, who's just standing there in, again, one of the greatest, like, oh, shit's on sort of cliffhangers, you know? Mm-hmm. Just just great. And basically, episode four is just a series of Jamie moving through the house and accomplishing different tasks and just kind of having a really good, like, romp fun time which i appreciate and the doctor watching on and every time jamie passes a new test the doctor like turns to the daleks and he's like see jamie is awesome and he's human and this is what makes him awesome this Mm -hmm. this and this and the daleks are like taking notes Mm -hmm. (laughs) with pencil and pad of paper um and and like it's really interesting how whitaker frames the whole thing like you know, at one point, Jamie saves Kemmel's life, and the Daleks are like, that's, that is stupid. Why would he do that? And then Jamie saves Kemmel's life because, like, Kemmel falls out a window, and Jamie manages to catch him and bring him back in. Because Jamie saves Kemmel's life, Kemmel saves Jamie's life by, you know, pushing him out of the way of a swinging pendulum axe, uh, mm-hmm. which I love. I love swinging pendulum axes. I'll just let it be known. Uh <laughs> And it's and it's great. Like I love watching how uh, it really is kind of a deconstruction of what makes humans humans and how that plays into uh, like how things are done. You know, it's just yeah, it's just great. And it's a it's a great episode. Like it's really, I mean, it's a lot of running around. It's a lot of set pieces. It's a lot of like trying to take out some Daleks. Uh, but it's good. It's good. Um, and we end with 
Jamie and Kemmel coming to Victoria's room and two Daleks creeping up behind them, uh, which is which is a good time, uh, really good time. We come back, episode five. <laughs> the James, Jamie uh. and Kemmel push a Dalek off a like off a off like a, a balcony, and the Dalek cracks open and dies, which is awesome. Uh, and then they uh, burst into Victoria's room and manage to start rescue start the process of rescuing the princess, which is not as easy as let's run outside because well, <laughs> there's Daleks outside. They break into the room and Victoria's like, "Aren't you a little tall for a Dalek?" <laughs> and Jamie's like, "Yeah." Um, oh, I also mentioned that at a certain point in this, I think in episode four, Camel reveals to Jamie because they're friends now. By the way, that happens. They ally up and become good friends which is i mean if they wanted to do like a jamie and camel power hour i'd watch that um <laughs> what happens is uh camel reveals that he's totally he's got some he's got some feelings for miss victoria waterfield which is which is kind of cute um in a you know the not white guy likes the white girl sort of way um <laughs> Sorry, you can't. Once they make it that much about race, I can't look away. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's bad, but it's true. Um, so, so we get a bu- we get a bunch of things going on where Max Dibble, or the Doctor confronts Terrell, who's hanging out in the in the house, and Terrell's acting frenetic like he usually does, and the Doctor realizes that he's under a Dalek influence. We also get one of the standout lines of the story. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I've tweeted it before when watching this story, which is uh, the Terrell says, you're a doctor. Why don't you help them? And the doctor says, I am not a doctor. I, I'm a professor of humanity of which uh, medicine, or, or I'm a pressure. I'm a professor of the universe of which uh, humanity is only a part. I butchered that line, but it's a great line. <laughs> it is sorry. a great line. Yeah. Um, Try them with the lines that are mission statements. Like, I don't think any doctor has had more mission statement lines than Trouton does. Like, just a few stories earlier, he does the famous line in the moon base where he says, um, uh, there are evil things in the corners of the universe in the, deep, in the deepest dark things that feast on our fears. They must be fought. Which is, like, badass. Um, <laughs> so, so awesome. I know. So, so Waterfield starts pleading with the doctor to stop the experiment because he's just, like... He's like, are you in, insane? Like, once the Daleks have the human factor, they're going to be super Daleks and awesome. And they're going to beat everyone and destroy the Earth. And the Doctor's like, ah, maybe, maybe not. Don't worry about it. Guys, I got this. <laughs> uh, and then, so he starts imprinting all of these uh, qualities that Jamie has exhibited into the uh, positronic brains that are going to be put into the the three test Daleks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Terrell sneaks into Victoria's room uh, via secret passage and uh, steals her away, um, like, <laughs> right under Jamie and Kemmel. Like, he just <laughs> pops in and takes her and disappears. Like, their backs are turned and they're talking, which is yeah. weird because Kemmel doesn't talk. Yeah. So I don't... <laughs> I don't really know how it happened, but and it they, happened. They turn back around and they're like, hey, <laughs> Victoria, where'd she go? Yeah. But but yeah, he gets captured. Here's the other thing I forgot about this. Jamie and Kemmel chase after Terrell 
And then Jamie has a sword fight with Terrell. Like, that's another thing that happens in this story. Yeah. My God. What happened? Who dropped the ball and erased this? Like, seriously, who dropped the ball? Uh, um, some, uh, some... Some idiot. Some idiot at BBC who's like, I know how we could save money. Ugh, awful. Awful. That's the worst. Who's going to want to watch this garbage ever again? Uh, and it's like, it's like, I don't know, what would you say? Easily one of the best Dalek stories you've ever seen, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, probably top three, I'd say. Like, That's, top three. Ugh, the 70s at, at, in England was like the worst decade. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, screw that. Um, ugh. So, uh, Jamie fights Terrell. Jamie beats Terrell at sword fighting, which, again, I want to see. And it's not a short sword fight. Like, they're just clashing steel for a while and the doctor turns to Terrell who has been you know he gets incapacitated every so often because he's been controlled by the Daleks and the doctor's like turns to Ruth the fiance and Molly the 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 housekeeper and says get away from here as far as you can go it's not safe he's dangerous just get him away so the dogs can't talk to him anymore and they're like okay and they leave and the doctor returns to uh, returns to the to the laboratory. They're still missing um, Victoria. They don't know where she is, but Kemmel's off looking for her, and Jamie's with the doctor, and Jamie's, like, really had it up to here with the doctor. Yeah. He's just, like, he, you know, he's just, like, well, like, you did all of this, and you didn't tell me that that you were just using me to do this thing, and now, like, I'm pretty sure you're working with the Daleks. This is not cool. I do not trust you. And then just yeah. as that happens, three the three test Daleks come out, and, and you know, Jamie's just like, uh-huh, yep, <laughs> told you. And, like, the doctor's like, no, 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 they're friends. He's like, yeah, you're, they're your friends, dick. Uh <laughs> And then, and then the Daleks like start talking. They've had the human factor activated, and they're not Daleks. They're like they like children. They're like children, and they surround the Doctor and start playing with him. Like they put, they sit him in a chair and then start pushing the chair around the room. And the cliffhanger of the Doctor saying to Jamie, "They're playing. They're playing," is one of the best Doctor Who cliffhangers ever. Like just. Because you're literally, like, after all of this madness, you see the Daleks playing a game, and you're just like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Because <laughs> the best part about it is, and I, I don't know for sure, but from what I can imagine, because obviously the episode doesn't exist, but from what I can imagine, the way that this cliffhanger works is the, Do- the Daleks come in, and it's like, a really ominous moment and it's meant to play as though that's going to be the cliffhanger that the Daleks show up and you're like, Oh, Daleks, they're going to get executed. Yeah. Here Here it comes. And then they're like, let's play. (laughs) They start playing. (laughs) And it's just like the, the antithesis of what you thought the cliffhanger was is the cliffhanger. And that makes it an awesome cliffhanger. Yeah. And it's like, and I mean, I mean, I, I the first time I heard this, I was driving in the car with Cassandra, and we heard this, and f- like you know, this we we listened to this maybe like two years ago. That's what forty five years after this story aired, forty five. 
still effective. Like, mm-hmm. still effective. In, like, a, I don't know where this is going. Which is incredible. Yeah. That the show has gone for 45 years and you still don't... And, like, there's a cliffhanger that was made in 1967 that can surprise you is insane. Yeah. That, so that shouldn't, awesome. That shouldn't work. Um, so we come back into episode six and the doctor is just beside himself laughing and just he's like this is awesome and like the Daleks are playing trains and roundabouts and he names them Alpha, Beta and Omega and they're all like oh yay we have names yay the doctor yay and And Jamie meanwhile Jamie during this whole thing is just like what the (laughs) F like He just can't even process what's happening, (laughs) which is the best part of this scene. Yes, absolutely. Because the doctor's just like, look, Alpha, Beta, Omega, this is Jamie. He's your friend. They're like, friend, friend. He's like, say hi, Jamie. And Jamie's just like, hi. (laughs) It's the most awkward situation. Like, it's well, so funny. Well, if I saw the Daleks acting like this, I'd be like, all right, what's your game? What's your game, guys? What's going on? And they're like, roundabouts. And you're like, I don't understand. Um, yeah. So, but it's like, it's okay. awesome because, like, it's not like the Daleks changed their voice at all. Like, they still sound like Daleks, but the thing about Dalek voices is they don't have inflection. They're just very monotone and scary. Mm-hmm. But here they, like, they they sing songs. Like, they talk in sing-song rhythm, which is it's it's bizarre, and they it's rhyme biz- and stuff. It's bizarre. Oh, it's it's, it's awesome. Yeah, Alpha, Beta, Omega. Al- <laughs> like I could just I could say it over and over and over again. Again, if you're not seeing this, I don't. It doesn't like if I told you this happened, I don't think you'd believe me. Like it's just <laughs> so it's crazy. Awesome. Yeah. So all the Daleks, um, including the the humanized ones, are summoned back to Scarrow. And uh, the doctor's not happy about that. Uh, they just, like, start to leave. He's like, hey, where are you going? He's like, oh, we're going back to Scarrow. Uh, we have to. <laughs> and then he's like, what? Hold on. What? 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 <sighs> it's like, not cool. We were having fun. Um, and. Uh, Sorry. Emperor Dalek said we had to go inside. It's dinner time. Yeah. <laughs> it's just get, yeah. It's getting dark. It's getting dark. I got to go. <laughs> So, so they're called back to Scarrow, yeah. And 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 Maxible follows because he wants to receive his promised reward. Um, which is which I don't think we've mentioned, but is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he wants he wants the he wants the secret to alchemy, which for those who don't remember or who are a little fuzzy and like what does alchemy mean? Alchemy at its like most famous is transforming lead into gold. That's what Maxible wants. Yeah. So <laughs> That's also a thing that happens in this story. <laughs> <laughs> and Maxtable leaves uh, noting that the Daleks have left a bomb that's going to blow up the whole place. And he follows the Daleks into the time cabinet off to Scarrow. I'll also, because me- I forgot to mention in the last part, but Kemmel finds Victoria, is beset upon by Daleks, and the three, and uh, Kemmel and Victoria are dragged off to Scarrow as well. So if the Doctor, Jamie, and everyone wants to chase after them, they have to go to Scarrow. 
So the doctor finds out about the bomb. He freaks out. He has Waterfield and Jamie with him. They reconstruct the time machine really fast and manage to get out of there just before the bomb goes off and obliterates Maxtable's house. Mm-hmm. And we're which Maxtable is none too pleased about. Oh, Maxtable's like my my equipment, my laboratory, not. These photos that my family took of me and them at Disney World, which, I mean, you know, would be the go-to thing. (laughs) Maxtable, he's committed to his work. Um, But now, episode six, pretty early on in episode six, we're just on Scarrow. Like, we're on Scarrow for the rest of the story. Yeah. Which... So we've been we've been to London in 1966, Victorian England, I forget exactly where, but in Victorian England in 1866, and now we're on Scarrow. So yeah. that's a thing that happened. Also significant because this is the first time we've been to Scarrow since the Daleks, I believe. Because I don't I was trying to play back in my mind and I don't think they the doctor and his crew actually went back there before this, which is a really interesting No, this choice. is the first time that they've they've not only come back to Scarrow, but come that the Doctor has ever returned to a planet in oh, the series. See. Other than Earth, obviously. Right, right. Yeah. So that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh. So <laughs> Kemmel and Victoria are um, – they're, they're in a cell in, in the Dalek City, which I just wish was called Dalek City because it should be. <laughs> Daleketopia. Do- no, just Dalek City just because – it's glorious. Um, Dalakabalis. That's just too, it's too that's too creative. Dalek City. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maxible arrives and he's just like, "Hey, by the way, you're on Scarrow now." And they're like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Back up. Let's 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 go at this again." What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, the, the Daleks are like really annoyed at Maxtable because he didn't bring the doctor with him to Scarrow. And they're just like, they're like, uh, he's dead. We blew up the house. He was in the house. So now he's dead. Way to go. Way to, way to drop the ball, (laughs) Maxtable. Way to drop. Now we're just going to teach you how to turn lead into silver. Take that. (laughs) And he's like, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This was not worth my house blowing up. Um, but then an alarm goes off and they realize that the, the doctor, Jamie and Waterfield are infiltrating the city, um, in this underground passage. And so the doctor or the Daleks force, uh, Victoria and Maxible to scream, um, so that it will lure them to them. Yes. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, the black Dalek. He encounters one of the humanized Daleks, Omega. Yes. And he's just he who's like just like so proud of his name. He's like, I have a name. It's Omega. Isn't that awesome? And the black Dalek's like, no. And so <laughs> and he's just proceeds to just make fun of this other Dalek. Um mm-hmm. it's like, stupid names. Dumb. Um <laughs> And I'm then, the black Dalek. All I get is an adjective, not Omega, but dumb. <laughs> so then in a tunnel, the Dr. Jamie Maxtable, they uh, meet a Dalek claiming to be Omega, but the doctor is just like, uh, no, you're an imposter, and pushes it off a cliff. 
which is kind of a great moment. Like, oh, what? Because the doctor like kind of sneaks around him and tries to take the lead, and then the, the Omega Dalek, that's not really the Omega Dalek, just goes, oh, "No, I'll take the lead." And as as it tries to sneak past the doctor, the doctor just pushes it over the edge. Yeah, just like callously like tries to kill it and and waterfield and jamie are like what did you do and he, the doctor's like that was not my handwriting and yeah. when i say that was not that, that was not my handwriting i mean literally that is the doctor's argument yeah it's not like it's not like it's not like i'm making a joke there like the doctor was like that is not the way i write the the greek letter omega that is not no <laughs> No, so awesome. So yeah. so then they uh, they get into a throne, the throne room of the Emperor Dalek, and the Doctor's just like, ha ha, humanized Daleks are gonna just they're they're just gonna they're they're gonna start questioning you, and then they're gonna make other Daleks question you, and then you're gonna have a full on revolution, and you are screwed, buddy. <laughs> and the, and then the Emperor Dalek reveals that. The the idea of the human factor was really just a way for the Daleks to identify what the Dalek factor is. And now that they have the Doctor's TARDIS, they can implant the Dalek factor into everyone across the history of Earth. Which is crazy. Making like, every single person on Earth a Dalek. Which is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. But well, awesome. To be fair, piloting Earth around like a spaceship is a little crazier. <laughs> let's let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. This is not the craziest Dalek plan we've ever heard. It's just the most awesome. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's the best thing about this. Like, you have the, the human factor is crazy in and of itself. But then the Daleks are like, we use the human factor because humans and Daleks are opposites. And so we isolated the human factor, and then we reverse-engineered the Dalek factor by figuring out what humans aren't, and now we're just going to make humans Daleks? Across all of time and space? That's crazy. That's awesome. That's yeah. the best thing I've ever heard in my life. It's so awesome. Yeah. And then he's like, ha, 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 you suck. And that's yeah. the cliffhanger. Which is fantastic. Yep. Like, fantastic. And also, because, I mean, how can we not mention it? Oh my god, there's the Emperor Dalek in this, and it is awesome. Yep. Awesome. This is the the first Emperor Dalek, right? Yeah. Oh, well, (laughs) it's not only the first Emperor Dalek, it's the Emperor Dalek, and Terry Nation was so pissed off by this, just so pissed off by this and the story, that he was just like, I don't want to see an Emperor Dalek ever again. So... Eric Sayward in Resurrection of the Daleks wrote in Davros and the Emperor Dalek. And Terry Nation was like, nope, no Emperor Dalek. You got to make it a Dalek Supreme. And Eric Sayward was like, okay. And I'm like, why? The Emperor Dalek in this is fantastic. Like, you look at it, and it's one of those things where it's like, it looks like a Dalek, but it looks also like if you mixed a Dalek and a Borg Queen and just put it on a throne, that's yeah. what it looks like. It's and awesome. It's, I don't... Yeah. Is it just because he didn't think of it? Is that his problem with it? I think it's his problem. I think he also imagines Daleks as being fairly classless or something. Because um, before this, the only thing that he had done to classify the Daleks would be like a black Dalek, which he did in... Um, uh, Dalek Invasion of Earth, and then a Dalek Supreme, which I think appeared in 
what was it? I know it appeared in Planet of the Daleks, but also I think in Daleks Master Plan. So I think that he wanted something that didn't have an, like a hierarchy because all Daleks were created equal or something. But like Whitaker making the Emperor Dalek, I mean, every time... I mean, I love Dalek voices. I love listening to them. I think they're just... The voice modulation is something I don't think I can ever get enough of. Just personally, I think it's... But then, to hear the Emperor Dalek... When you hear the Emperor Dalek for the first time... I'm I'm sorry, I have to swear. But you literally go, oh, shit. Like, because it just sounds like such a menacing figure. And then you see it, and it looks menacing, because it's about a story tall. It's... It's crazy. It's I just awesome. I can't get yeah. I can't get enough of it. Um, is this the only time the Emperor Dalek appeared then until the Russell T Davies era? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That makes yeah. this story really special and just a crime that it doesn't exist. You're right. Right. Uh. Especially when, especially when you look at ep- like episode seven and just watch the thing get blown up, like just blown to hell oh my god i just i'm just thinking about the idea that russell t Davies brought back the emperor dalek after not being on television for 40 years yeah that's insane yeah yeah that's a guy who loves his doctor oh my god that's awesome yeah yeah and the emperor dalek (laughs) is so cool yeah this story is kind of legendary just a little bit uh Oh, so awesome. Okay, so episode seven, the doctor is obviously not happy about this whole Dalek factor thing. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to help you. And the Emperor Dalek's like, yeah, you are. (laughs) And that's all he says. Like, he doesn't say you are because of this or this. He's just like, no, you are. Leaving the doctor to just be like, what does he mean by that? Why am I going (laughs) to do it? Because... I would never do that. Like, it doesn't... They can't threaten me with anything. They can't... Nothing is worse than what... Why would I do that? He's just... He's just... He's just a mess for half of episode seven because of the Emperor Dalek's uh, confidence. Oh. And that also... That also reminds me of, like, the, the moment where the Doctor is brought before the Emperor Dalek and he's like... I had a feeling we'd meet each other once in a... Like, sooner rather than later is badass... Like, first time the Emperor Dalek has appeared on screen, first time he's been mentioned, and the Doctor's like, yeah, I saw this coming. You're just like, oh, dude. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, awesome. So awesome. Uh, yeah. So they're all put in a, in a holding cell uh, where Victoria gets back with her father. Um, this is the first time that they've been together through the whole story. And the last time. And the last time. <laughs> and then the Daleks... <laughs> In, like, just a ludicrous moment, the Daleks are like, hey, Maxtable, you wanted to learn how to turn lead into gold, right? Maxtable's like, yeah. He's like, oh, well, it turns out if you walk through that archway, you'll figure it out. He's like, seriously? They're like, yeah. And he's like, about time. He walks into the archway, gets implanted with the Dalek factor. And now he's a Dalek. (laughs) And now he's a Dalek. Now he talks like a Dalek. But with a human voice. like So no modulation. He just has the cadence of a Dalek. Mm-hmm. And it's kind yeah. of creepy and awesome. Um, and then... Uh, the but not, not as creepy as... <laughs> when everyone's sleeping, Maximal hypnotizes the Doctor into walking through the arch as well. And then the Doctor starts talking like a, like a Dalek. 
Um, granted, we learn out, we find out later that he was faking it, but still, so scary. Hell, hell of an actor. Hell of an actor. Yeah. And, like, I mean, the doctor. Not just Troughton, but, like, the doctor. And it's awesome, because, like, at this point in the story, the story's gone so many ways that the second the doctor walks through the archway and starts talking and acting like a Dalek, you're just like, oh my god, did they just do that? Like, yeah. How 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 are they getting out of this? And you find out later that it's not really the thing. So so the doctor being implanted with the Dalek factor, the Dalek flat factor basically breeding like Borg sensibilities of just like uh, be a follower, don't step out of line, obey instructions, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The doctor goes to the Emperor Dalek and is just like, I need to. Uh, g- the Emperor Dalek goes, Hey, you need to go fly the TARDIS, and the doctor's like, All right, let's go do that. Except you know, like a Dalek. Right. So and it's 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 so creepy and awesome. Yeah, um, absolutely. Then, uh, uh, meanwhile, we show the black Dalek, and he orders a work party to stop. Um, and then one of the Daleks is like, "Why?" <laughs> and he's just like, "What?" <laughs> and we get back to that chaos in a second. But yeah, before we, he's do, literally like, "Who said that? Who yeah. said that right now? Who said that?" Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Um, so then we go back to Maxipal and the Doctor, and they're working as, like, Dalek humans. They're working, uh, creating a device to turn humans into Daleks on, like, this crazy massive scale. And then the Max- Maxipal's like, I'll be right back. And the Doctor's like, okay. And then as soon as Maxipal leaves, his demeanor changes, and he starts making all these quick adjustments to the conversion arc. And then... He sneaks back into the holding cell um, and urges them all to walk through the arch. And Jamie's like, uh, I don't know. You were just acting like a Dalek a second ago. And, and, and is really unsure about it. Um, but uh, a Dalek comes to bring the doctor before the Emperor. And uh, as he leaves, he like winks at Jamie. Mm-hmm. And then Jamie's like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is all part of the plan. Uh, obviously, obviously, Daleks would never wink, so it's cool. <laughs> I mean, they only have the one eye. They blink, not, not wink. So, I mean, right. not to get into semantics too much. Um, so, so, so the Daleks, so, the, so the, the doctors called over to the Emperor, and all the Daleks start passing through this archway, and as they start passing through the archway, they are infected with the human factor because the do- the doctor switched the polarity and basically just turned all the Dalek factor into the human factor. So now, if a Dalek trans walks through the archway, they are instantly turned into human Daleks. And the doc and and if the the captives like Jamie and stuff walk through the archway, nothing's going to happen because they're already humans. So a bunch of Daleks walk, run through the archway, and they're like, whoa, this is weird. It's like being on drugs. No, they really say that. And, and, and they start questioning orders, and the Supreme Dalek, or the Black Dalek, rather, just goes, hey, guys, listen, I need you over here. And they're like, why? And the, the Supreme Dalek's like, hang on, and just starts sh- and shoots one. And the doctor shows up and goes, hey, okay. he just killed him. Oh, my God, I love this. Okay, yeah. so... The thing about this, though, that's so funny is, like, literally, it's just, like, because, okay, we're not seeing anything. The narration is is helping this a lot. But basically, (laughs) guy's like, hey, do this. And 
the the and, and the Dalek is like, "Why?" And he's like, "I'll show you why." And then just shoots him and kills him. And then the narration literally says, two Daleks look at each other, then turn to the black Dalek and shoot him dead." <laughs> which I just which is literally two Daleks look at each other and go, "Shit's on." <laughs> oh no, he didn't. Yeah. Uh, mm. So awesome. So the human Daleks, now that they realize that they're in danger of being destroyed because they question orders and the Daleks, at the at the behest of the Doctor, who uh, is being followed around by Waterfield, who's making sure that the Doctor's safe, basically just starts shooting up the place. Yeah. And the and the and the Dalek Daleks are like, oh hell no! And they start shooting back, and literally within the span of about two minutes, there's a full fledged Dalek civil war going on. Yep. Like full on. And it, and when I was watching it this time I hadn't thought of this, but like one of the things that you are quick to point out and rightfully so about Doctor Who is how often does the Doctor just incite revolution and you know the oppressed people rise up? Like how crazy is it that the Doctor just does that with Daleks and why had no one th- like I mean I guess it's been done now, but like why has no one thought of that? Like why why has no one thought of that? Because the Doctor starting a Dalek revolution is awesome. Like that's awesome. And so then, cool. <laughs> uh, uh, and then we get, like, and if you go online, you can find clips of it. We get the snippets and hints of what this battle must have looked like. And it is just carnage. Like, just Daleks exploding, panels bursting out of nowhere. Just, cr- like, it's just crazy. The Emperor Dalek, like, explodes and is attacked by other Daleks. The Emperor is quick to point out, like, hey, guys, don't fight in here. Like, <laughs> he's like, no, da- da- Daleks, don't fight in the throne room. Guys, no- oh, come on. Do you know how expensive that was? Come on. Uh, th- this- not-, not in the face. Guys, ah. Uh. And it just, the whole place comes down. In the middle of the carnage, uh, Victoria, Jamie, and... Kemmel managed to escape, but they're set upon by Maxtable, who kills Kemmel and then is then called back to the Dalek throne room as the Emperor Dalek says, oh, guys, I need reinforcements because the human Daleks are overrunning us, so so Kemmel's dead, uh, sadly. And Waterfield is killed by jumping in front of the Doctor, um, uh, a, a, a Dalek shot and saving the Doctor's life. And we get just... <laughs> I mean, I, words cannot describe how crazy this is. Like, Scarrow is just decimated. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just destroyed. Like, it's completely 100% destroyed. And the Doctor literally ends, like, he, he runs away from the whole situation after the Emperor Dalek's been killed. And all the Daleks are just blowing up. Like, just indiscriminately just exploding. And the Doctor literally says the final end to the Daleks and then they just look on as Scarrow burns and that's how the story ends mm-hmm. what the F so awesome yeah 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 <laughs> and then, and, but, then, but then like they leave it open because like in the rubble there's like one Dalek that's like has like a light pulse going on mm-hmm. so you're like okay but but I'm I just I go with the idea that it they're all dead. Like <laughs> I think it'd be awesome if this was like the last Dalek story. Yeah. In well, in ac- continuity of Daleks, you know? Mm-hmm. Well according to um according to like the uh like I think it was the discontinuity guide, they tried to reconcile the idea that 
Patrick Troughton, or the second Doctor basically destroys all the Daleks, and then all the Daleks that appear in the Purge, we are, are all Daleks from the relative past of this story. And then when the Doctor goes back in time to kill Davros in Genesis of the Daleks by not killing Davros, he shifts uh, the Dalek time stream so it's not like this anymore, kind of like Back to the Future style. Um. So in in my mind, this is the end, like of that first leg. Like that's how this ends, and it's it's a hell of an ending. So crazy sauce works for me. <laughs> Didn't uh. expect that from it, did you? No, such a good story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One uh. of one of the best Dalek stories ever. One of the best Patrick Troughton stories ever. Amazing, just absolutely amazing. Oh, and a crime it doesn't exist. <laughs> a crime. The person who taped over this should be locked up. Yeah. Ugh. Um, <laughs> before we move on, I remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, anything you can get from a local comic book shop, you can pre-order from DCBService.com. You place your orders uh, three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts at 40% off. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like. And you only pay six twenty five in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Next week, it's our 100th episode. And to celebrate, we'll be watching John Pertwee and the Three Doctors. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah. So it's not John Pertwee and the Three Doctors, actually. John Pertwee, William Hartnell, and Patrick Troughton, the Three Doctors. Yes. Yeah. Which, I haven't seen it since I started watching Doctor Who, but I I really love it just from a pure, like, it's just tons of fun. Yeah. Like, tons and tons of fun. I'm uh, excited. So, so look for that. And then on the other side, we're doing uh, The Myth Makers, which is a first Doctor story. Black Orchid, which is a fifth Doctor story. <laughs> And then Underworld, which uh, is a bullet in my head sort of story. So we'll see how that I goes. can't believe we're already Fifth Doctor again. Yeah, yeah. That went quick this time. Comes back around. Comes yeah. back around. It's because there was no new Who in between. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah. <laughs> and we're about to, and we're going to hit another one after this sooner, probably rather than later. So yeah, we'll probably get to the other. We'll probably get to Earthshock before new Who hits. I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's not till November, so we've got probably another 20, 30 weeks. Yeah. Or so. I don't know. I don't do math. Oh, new who. Yeah. But yeah, no, those three are coming up. Uh, Also, for those who are paying attention at home, we're going to mention this, but I I haven't talked about this with Scott, but I'm sure he's going to be okay with it. But at a certain point this summer, just because apparently we have nothing to do, uh, we should probably go back and do the first season of Matt Smith. Just because we're not going to cover it in the blog, it's not on the schedule, um, right? So we should we should go back and do that, like much like we did um, uh, Children of Earth, like just talk about it at the end of each story if we have like a light week or something. Mm-hmm. So, so we're, we'll do that, um, starting with the eleventh hour and going straight through story by story, eleventh uh, hour to Christmas Carol. So cool. Yeah, we'll cool. do that soonish. Yeah. All right. Um... In the meantime, Matt, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Gungadin, also my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash GD Commentary, where I live tweet stuff like Sunday Trek, which is going to come back eventually. We're just busy on weekends now. Uh, also, live tweeting of other things. Also, my blog, classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com, where I talk about 
classic who like this but in more of like an analytical discussion critical something form i don't know uh this week i'm talking about frontios which is a fifth doctor story which i just finished writing up and is a real gem like a real real gem of the era one of my favorites and i hadn't loved it before but watching it this time is just outstanding it's great davison and it's great it's just oh it's so good um so that, also other stuff coming up, which is a lot of fun. So look for my blog, com. Scott. Twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Twitter.com slash Scott Commentary. MindRobber.net. Leave reviews. Check out our other show, The Mind Robbers, which is also on MindRobber.net. Uh, because if you're listening to this and not that, shame. For <laughs> shame. The other one's way more fun than this one. Not that this isn't fun, but the other one is way more fun. I love that show. It's true. It's love very it. Very true. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week with our 100th episode. And Woo! Doctor. See ya. Bye, guys. Bye.